served with hoorah. You don't know how you're supposed to earn it or what to do with it or how to keep it. You're a freak with a dark, shameful secret. But you're not the only one. Get your hidden financial fears with a blast of sun. Now your healing has begun. It's bad with money with Gabby. Done. Hello and welcome to this week's Bad with Money mailbag episode. I'm Gabby Dunn. Your host. This week's Wednesday episode was a takedown and breakdown of cryptocurrency and NFTs with Folding Ideas' Dan Olson, creator of the video Line Goes Up, The Problem with NFTs. I am so excited about that episode. It was part two of a couple of episodes I did exploring and debunking cryptocurrency. Dan is an incredibly smart, incredibly patient person who explained everything to me and us And if you want, you should go listen to that episode, and then you should also listen to part one with Stefan Thomas and Clara Volstead to just get the full picture of what's going on with crypto. We have, you know, some pros, some cons. I lean more on the cons, Um, but check those episodes out. I'm really proud of them. On today's show, we're going to read four Apple reviews, an email about the financial mistake of becoming a parent, a defense of NFTs, and a listener giving us a saga of their pet insurance woes. As a little, a little treat before we do a full pet insurance episode, which we've already recorded. So I'm very excited to get that to you guys because we recorded it and it's really, really great. Um, And then we also have another email about how Dylan became less panicked. In the second half of the show, I'm going to welcome a new patron, play a voicemail from Corey, and share some TikTok discourse that happened because of our NFT artist interview with Clara Volstead. That's right, TikTok discourse. Normally, I read stuff from the Discord here, but today, oh, today, TikTok really took the lead. And when we return, I'm going to welcome a new patron, play a voicemail from Corey, and share some TikTok discourse. Okay, this is an Apple review from Amanda, five stars. Amazing, been following Gabby for ages, and they never fail to make me laugh and teach me something every episode. Thank you, Amanda, that's very sweet. And if you're like Amanda and you want to leave me a five-star Apple review, I will read it on the show. For example, here's a few more. Five stars. What are you doing with your life if you're not listening to this? Inspiring, funny, and best opening song in podcast history. Highly recommend. And then also five stars from Concerned Meme Trash. Professional and fun. This is an awesome show. It's a finance podcast that isn't stuffy at all. It's silly and fun, but also really engaging. Thank you. I love to be called silly on my own show. The most I can hope for is to be both silly and professional. This is from Vec B, and it's five stars. Social issues plus money equals thought-provoking. I recently tried to start another podcast about money, and it came across as incredibly privileged. This podcast has changed how I think about money, issues around money, and social issues generally. Season one is different than the rest, so definitely stick with it. I don't know what that means. (laughs) Um, uh, Kind of a backhanded compliment. Not sure what it means. I guess all the seasons are kind of different from each other. But anyway, thank you so much. You know what? You gave me five stars. So now we're going to read an email from Liz. Hi, Gabby. Thank you for continuing to make great content where every week I debate whether I want to write in. I had an episode idea on what is looking like my worst financial decision ever, deciding to become a parent. I am in my 30s, married to a great partner, have my parents close by, have eight weeks of family leave at full pay, and am doing this on purpose. But budget-wise, it feels like setting money on fire. Looking around for childcare, it's going to be around 25k a year. That is almost as much as I had in total student loans, 31K. On top of that, pregnancy has been rough. A few weeks of excitement before two months of mild food poisoning, and I have been using more sick time than I expected. I feel like we as a society cover up how much it costs and how physically demanding it is. 
With abortion rights and access to birth control under attack, anyone with a uterus could suddenly have to deal with the physical and financial costs of growing another human being if a stray semen gets in at the right time. If you could find some guests to talk about that, I would really appreciate it. And not that you have to have her on as a guest, but I would love it if you did, or promote her. I have really been enjoying the videos from Jessica kelgren Fozard talking about her and her wife's fertility journey and being a disabled parent. She has a lot of great content in general about LGBTQ plus things, disability, fashion, and history. Yes, I, I've never met Jessica, but we run in similar circles. And anyone that we have in common has always said nice things about her. So I am happy to promote her channel. Go and check that out. Um, anyway, Liz says, looking forward to the next podcast episode, Liz. Thank you so much for writing that in, Liz, um, the above part about the physical and financial demands of being a parent. I think you are right on the money, pun intended, in terms of how that does not come up in the discussion of abortion and birth control and reproductive rights. Um, and so that actually is probably a really relevant and uh, timely episode that we should do upcoming. So I do appreciate you writing in about that. Uh, I think that a lot of what I see about motherhood, at least pushed on social media, um, Facebook, Instagram, is that it's this nonstop blessing that there's no possible way that being pregnant could, ha you know, be anything less than a beautiful miracle for a parent. And, um, you know, one thing I've appreciated is Amy Schumer in particular, like her or dislike her, uh, was very transparent about how rough pregnancy was. Um, and showed the the realities of what it did to her body. And I think that was something that we don't see enough. So yes, Liz, that is actually probably a great idea for an episode. So thank you for writing that in. This is an email from Robert. And it says, Hi, Gabby. You're probably getting sick of me by now. I've written in three times, including this one in the last few months. And this time it's to be in defense of NFTs. How dare I? Robert, I don't care how many times you write in. And I hope this doesn't upset you, but maybe makes you feel less self-conscious. I did not know you had written in three times. I wasn't keeping track, so don't worry. Okay, back to Robert's email. Funnily enough, as I listened to your latest episode, Crypto Part 1, I was writing an article for a freelance client about how to promote NFTs on Twitter. But back to my defense. While I do accept that NFTs have their problems, being assets that can quickly lose you money rather than make you a tidy profit, there are advantages. For example, for those looking to get into crypto but not willing to do the risky thing and become a trader of crypto coins, this is a better way to ease yourself in. On top of that, one of the issues with holding or holding crypto is that you never see the actual product, and for all intents and purposes, you could be trading thin air. At least with NFTs, there is digital proof that you own it. As someone with, at the very least, a keen interest in the blockchain, and it weirdly seems to have become my niche for creating freelance content, it's hard to dismiss NFTs as simply a con. For many people, as you rightly pointed out on your latest episode, this is also a source of income. And while I don't think you should solely bank on NFTs or any sort of crypto as your one and only income source, it is a creative outlet from which digital artists have the potential to make an income. And as a longtime backer of the creative industries, whether you can consider it to come under that or not, I think that's certainly a plus for NFTs. Yes, they are overhyped. Yes, you shouldn't bank on them for anything, but they do have their positives. Now a slight note on the environmental impact. I'm a media ethics and social change master's student. I can't help but talk about ethics. While crypto has a massive environmental problem that it needs to tackle, NFTs for the most part run on Ethereum, which is switching to proof of stake, which will use considerably less energy than other cryptos, such as Bitcoin, and hopefully that's one change that can be made to make the impact of NFTs on the environment less harmful. 
I hope you can consider some of these points that are the positive side of NFTs. And sorry for the long email. Thanks, Robert. Robert, stop apologizing. These emails are great. Thank you so much. Uh, Yes, proof of stake comes up in our interview with Stefan Thomas. It also comes up, I think, in our interview with Dan Olson. Um, but yes, switching to proof of stake would be a very interesting change. Um, I can't get into all that now, but if you want to Google that, uh, you can. And also in our part one episode with Stefan Thomas, I know for sure he does talk about proof of stake. Okay, let's read an email from Dylan. Hi, Gabby. A brief ramble unrelated to the current episode. So stick this wherever. Thank you, Dylan, for your permission. Uh, back to Dylan's email. I'm currently working a job where I know I'm not being paid my worth and just managing to get my budget even slightly under control. Planning on throwing $50 per month into my RRSP and $50 per month into my TFSA, not as much as I'd have hoped. I did just find out my rent will be going up on my anniversary date, which did have me in a bit of a panic. However, I have you to thank for me knowing enough about money to have those accounts and for knowing that I can talk to people about my salary, such as my predecessor who used to have this job and agreed I'm not being paid enough. She did also suggest I go for a government gig for the better pay and the pension, but I have some time to really plan my steps out. Not something I would have had the confidence to do prior to bad with money. So I'm less panicked now about my financial situation because there's things that I can do. So yeah, thank you for giving people a way to really take their finances into their own hands. That's it. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you so much, Dylan. I honestly, truly, like, in all of our episodes of this podcast, if one person just takes away that you can talk to other people about money, I will have done my job. Like, truly. Okay, here's an email from Marge. Hi, I'm Marge. Longtime listener, first time emailer. TLDR, I know you've talked about an upcoming pet insurance episode and had been thinking about emailing you, but then my nearly 13-year-old mini dachshund rescue had a small stroke. Let me back up a bit. I adopted Ozzy in 2019 while living in NYC. Shout out to Muddy Paws Rescue just after he turned 10. Oh, adopting a senior dog. Back to Marge. I thought adopting a senior dog was the right choice for a first-time mammal parent because they'd be past the puppy phase. As I'm sure you know, this was questionable logic. No regrets, but former Marge was definitely naive. He's had a bunch of small health issues in the time I've had him, but the last year has been the most tough. My Brooklyn vet never flagged dental issues, and when I moved to Chicago and a new vet, they immediately said he had serious dental disease, probably since before I adopted him, and that they would need to remove some of his teeth. In Brooklyn, I had insurance for him that was $80 per month, and nothing we did ever qualified for coverage, even the time he had pneumonia and I spent the night in the ER with him. I decided to switch to one that was cheaper and specifically for big emergencies. Routine procedures like teeth removal didn't qualify. We prepped for surgery and they quoted me that the surgery would cost anywhere between $1,000 and $3,500. Once they got him under anesthesia, they could tell how many teeth needed to come out and called me to let me know the final total would be just under $3,000. This was fine, I guess. The hardest part is that unlike my human medical bills, which can be paid slowly over time, all the major pet costs have to be due up front. Anyways, put it on a credit card and moved on. That was September 2021, and less than a year later, he's been sick on and off since the surgery. He's on several daily meds. It was recommended that we switch him from kibble to my perfect pet fresh food, which I'm happy to do, but is definitely more expensive. And he has an inhaler he takes twice a day that costs $300. When I adopted him, I was freelancing in theater full-time and had enough money to cover the basics. But I could never have afforded this past year's costs. 
When the pandemic hit, I took a tech job and have gotten a few raises over the past two years that have put me in a place where I'm able to support him. So this past Sunday, he had what they're pretty certain was a stroke. And because it was the weekend, we had to take him to the vet ER rather than our normal vet who doesn't work on the weekends. They took care of him all day and recommended he stay overnight. The deposit was 3000 I got about half of it back when we picked him up the next day because they didn't have to do any big emergency care. They sent me to a dog neurologist who explained that the stroke could have been a one-off moment, like humans have sometimes, or could have been caused by a tumor or lesion in the brain. The MRI and testing they recommended to find out is quoted at $5,000. I'm struggling to get a straight answer out of the insurance of what they'll cover. I could definitely put this on a credit card or even pull it from my newly minted savings account. There's a chance all of this testing will reveal that it was a random stroke, no deeper cause, proceed as normal, and hope it doesn't happen again. Or it could reveal a tumor that then will need to be removed and have other expensive treatment. I love this little guy, but I can't tell what the responsible or reasonable choice is here. I don't expect you to have an opinion on it, but it just sucks that pet parents are put in these positions. He's my best friend, and I'd be glad to do whatever needs to be done to make sure he's okay, but as someone historically without financial security, I can't tell if this is an irresponsible or wacky choice to prolong this pup's life and spend question mark, question mark, question mark money on him. My heart is all in on animals, especially Ozzy, but I might need that money for another emergency. Anyways, I was not prepared for this part of pet ownership. Also, I can't tell if my Chicago vet is just taking way better care of him than the Brooklyn one or if they're trying to sell me on as many meds, checkup visits, and $300 inhalers as possible. Am I terrible for thinking they could be scamming me? That's what's on my mind. Take it or leave it, but I've been spending tons of money on this dog. Thanks for everything you do and send my love to Beans. P.S. Never forget the time my dad opened a credit card in my name, lied about it, and then closed it immediately when he got caught, tanking my credit score. This is a drop in the bucket on the financial abuse. A saga for another episode? LOL. Best, Margaret. Okay, wow. No, I don't think you're a terrible person for thinking they might be scamming you. I would think that too. I am so not sure what the answer is here. I know you told me not to have an opinion or that I didn't have to have an opinion. We are doing a whole episode about pet insurance that will come out sometime in the next month where we will have so many stories just like this and those people uh, do have opinions. So you will hear a lot of opinions, Marge, and you can have fun parsing through those. (laughs) I mean, Beans is the love of my life. I love him so much. I don't know. It's hard even for humans to know if they're getting the best care or if they're getting scammed. And that's like a huge flaw in the healthcare system. I I think it might be worth getting a second opinion just because all of these numbers are so high. But ultimately, it comes down to you as the owner who you trust. And that's what's so scary. Okay, here's an email from Corey. And then um, it leads into a voicemail. Hello, wonderful people. I recorded a voice memo to thank Gabby and Mal. Mal is my partner. For a huge positive change in my life recently that was precipitated by a Bad With Money episode. Thank you so much for all that you do in the realm of financial education, especially while elevating the voices and struggles of marginalized people. I'm so thankful my partner reintroduced me to Gabby's content since I had lost touch since the days at the media company that shall not be named. Even if this doesn't make the pod, I wanted to pass on my sincere thank you because you truly have changed my life in a matter of weeks without even knowing it. Thank you so, so much, Corey. P.S. Has Mal ever considered self-titling their albums? Just imagine being able to say, Hi, I'm Mal Blum, and this is my new Mal Blum. Potentially iconic. Thank you, Corey. Um, I'm going to play your voice memo now. Hi, my name is Corey. I'm calling from the Chicagoland area, and I'm calling with a humongous thank you. Thank you not only for giving me plenty of stuff to talk about with my little brother who has a degree in financial planning, but also thank you for your wide variety of topics 
that you wouldn't consider usually with money. Specifically, I was listening to the back catalog and came across the episode about neurodivergence and money. While Mal was giving their opening monologue and talking about how ADD fits into their day-to-day life, I had a light bulb moment. Every time they mentioned a new instance, my jaw would drop to the point where I reached out to a doctor, I reached out to my therapist, and even a psychiatrist, and now here I am, 26 years old, with a brand new ADD diagnosis of my own. I am a public school teacher, so I see this in my students all the time, but it never had occurred to me that my brain isn't necessarily supposed to work in this way, that other people don't have to deal with these issues. And being able to work with a psychiatrist and medication has changed my life in the last few weeks. I previously credited all of my symptoms to other mental health issues or just being an irresponsible, quote unquote, bad person. But being able to have a diagnosis that explains how my brain works, how to work with that and how to make the best going forward has completely changed my outlook in a matter of weeks. So thank you so much, Gabby, for your diversity and topics. Thank you so much, Mal, for coming on and being so open. And also thank you to my partner for getting me started on this show. I love the show and I can't wait to see where things keep going because I love learning all these new topics. Have a great day. Oh my God. I think this is a follow-up from a little note that Corey sent last week. Thank you so much. That's This is very heartwarming. I don't even know what to say. It's so sweet. <laughs> I'll have to let Mal know that this happened. Or, honestly, we could get their opinion on it. But let's welcome a patron first. You can become a patron at patreon.com slash Gabby Dunn. I post behind-the-scenes stuff. I post pictures from my life. I post diary entries. Um, so our new patron is Jules. Thank you, Jules, for becoming a patron this week. Coming up, I'm going to... Talk about these NFT TikTok comments, and then maybe I'll play Corey's voicemail for Mal, and Mal can respond. Maybe. We'll see where they are. So I posted a clip on TikTok. My TikTok is Dabby Gun, D-A-B-Y-G-U-N-N. And I posted a clip with uh, Clara Volstead, the NFT artist that I interviewed, talking about the trans perception of being online and uh, the way that she makes money from selling her art, the way that the NFT world operates kind of similarly to the fine art world. It was a really, really great discussion. You can find it um, under our episode with Stefan Thomas and Clara Volstead. So I posted a clip of that on TikTok, right? And then people had things to say. So let's read them. Okay, so this is a comment from Arcadia, and it says, this just changed my perspective on NFTs entirely. And then mind blown emoji. And then someone else underneath it said, why though? It's all the same things all the NFT people say. And then this person responded, something about how they explained it clicked with me. I'm not saying I think all NFTs are suddenly incredible. I just now understand how they can have value, especially when they talked about how so many pieces are just vaulted to these days. Yes, so this is a response to Clara talking about how um, art investors don't display their art. They just buy pieces and then put them in a vault and save them to sell later or to gain value. 
Um, and that way, a lot of art that people would maybe be able to enjoy or look at or view or learn from is actually just put away in a vault. And so Arcadia is having a change of mind that I had too talking to Clara, which was the realization that NFTs can operate similar to the fine art world and that at least in this situation, they're not put away in a vault. So that was one aspect. That was somebody talking about um, the way in which the episode positively affected their opinion of NFTs. Then we have some more comments where uh, DIY by Kira wrote, yeah, except physical art doesn't rely on being a Ponzi scheme that's actively bad for the environment, which is fair. 13 people like that comment, so clearly you're onto something. Then Geopuppy wrote, or maybe just commission an artist for their digital work instead of buying something that actively harms our planet, but you do you. So yes, very similar uh, comment to the comment from DIY by Kira. Both of you, great points. You can just also buy digital artwork um, that is one of a kind. You don't necessarily need it minted as an NFT. I completely understand that. And I think you guys are right. Then Sadtooth266 wrote, this is the opposite of how owning physical art works. Anyone can take a screenshot of your ape. There's only one original. And no, they don't throw it in a vault. If they don't display it in their own home or a gallery, they lend it to a museum so it can be enjoyed by the public. So yes, this person also is responding to Clara talking about how a lot of fine art is put in a vault. And it's true. On the other hand, a lot of fine art is lent out to galleries or museums, that's how we're able to see a lot of these works that are so historical and important. So I do get that as well. I think all of these people had really, really good thoughts on the episode. And honestly, I post about Bad With Money on TikTok a lot, and I have never gotten the response to any other topic that I got to NFTs. And so then our final comment is somebody responded to all of this and said, even if it were true, how is a blockchain so much better than a vault? Which is the question, isn't it? That's the question. Uh, How is the blockchain different than a vault or better than a vault? If you want to go back and listen to our episode from Wednesday with Dan Olson, you will find all of the criticism, all of the breakdown and takedown of this very idea. And a lot of you TikTok commenters, I think, will feel vindicated by what Dan says. So you're not wrong. You're definitely right to feel passionate about it, especially with the way that crypto affects the environment and for the implications it has for the future of art and the displaying of art and access to art. So I don't think you're on the wrong path there. I think this is something creatives should also be keeping track of, uh, especially when it comes to sales of our work. Okay, let me see if Mal's available. Mal, do you want to listen to a nice voicemail? Do I need any context for this? No, someone said a nice thing about you. Hi, my name is Corey. Have a great day. I was fully um, prepared to come in here and say something sardonic and uh, self-effacing and funny, but that was just a heartfelt message. And I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so glad that your life is is looking up, Corey. I don't know what a latent life diagnosis feels like because I, I was diagnosed when I was nine. There's so many things I don't know what are wrong with me. And I imagine that if I didn't know about my ADHD, that would just be a whole nother burden to carry. (laughs) I don't think I could take one more. So I'm glad that you've got the support that you need. (laughs) I think this is maybe the third person who's listened to you and then been like, I have ADD. Yeah. (laughs) You know, one at a time, I'm building an army. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, 
That's our show. Uh, every week I do a show on an app called AMP called This Week in Gay. You can find it with my code D-U-N-N. And as an exciting, exciting little bit of news, I have a book coming out on Scribd on June 8th. It's a Scribd original. It's called Stimulus Wreck. Uh, and it's for everyone who's trying to rebuild their finances after the, you know, pandemic hit. Uh Bad With Money, my first book, came out in 2019. We had no idea what was coming. And so luckily, Scribd allowed me to write an update. So this is a book that is similar to Bad With Money, but it takes into account the last three years and um, fills in a lot of the gaps and tries to help if you are rebuilding your finances after a financial disaster, whether that's a global one or a personal one. Or if you just now have decided you want to start looking at your finances and you're like, well, I'm doing so in a a world in which COVID exists. So yikes for me. The book will be free for the first 60 days. If you go to my Instagram at Gabby Road, you will be able to find the link to uh, get the book for free, a free trial of Scribd, 60 days. Uh, And I read the audiobook. So if you like my voice, the audiobook is also there free for you. I would love to hear from you. Be sure to email me at gabbyisbadwithmoney at gmail.com or leave me a voicemail at 844-474-4040. You can also email me a voice memo if you prefer. Join our online communities too. We're on Instagram, Discord, TikTok, Patreon, and Facebook. Links to all of these will be listed in the episode description. Don't forget to listen to the show the day it drops so we can get on the charts and spread the word. We have so many cool episodes coming up. I really can't wait. We're we're doing some cool, fun stuff. Um, And leave a five-star Apple review. Okay, thanks. Bye. Done.